Congratulations, you found it. This is a book podcast featuring books you will want to read. Recommended by people who are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Featuring Martha Steele, radio personality extraordinaire and queen of the volunteer librarians. Nicole Shaded, sports animal wrangler, shield maiden, and book warrior. And Vonnie Golden, healthcare billing diva, volunteer librarian, and book goddess. Together, slaying the dragons, catching serial killers, exploring history, space-time, and alternative realities. Searching for and finding book treasures every week. They are three book girls. Since we're not going to talk about clothes anymore, because Josh is here, <laughs> we kind of have to talk about books now. With us today is a special guest, Josh Lupton. Hello. Hello. And the reason we picked him is because he's awesome. He works with us here at the radio station, and he likes the same kind of books I like. <laughs> Which is pretty rare, really. I mean, if you think about the weirdness that I You like good books. Well, I think they're I think they're the best books personally, but I agree. Yeah. We've bonded over books. I think way. we've all bonded over books. We have. It's like it's like a sisterhood slash brotherhood that we didn't know existed and now all of a sudden <laughs> it's come to the forefront and we're all so pleased. Sisterhood of the traveling books instead of the traveling pants. My God, what was that? It sounds like somebody was hacking up along in the hallway. Shag. Oh, is he a hacker? Or maybe maintenance. Or Oh, oh it's a drill. It's a saw. saw. Or a drill. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're having some renovations done at the station. And so don't be surprised if you hear hammering or sawing or drilling. That's really not us making sound effects with our mouths. I'm just building a table over here while we're doing this podcast. <laughs> just trying to find some change in her wallet. <laughs> Damn it. She needs to use the vending machine. Nicole is a multitasker. I will not take anything out of my wallet this time. <laughs> right at the end of the podcast last week, we were talking along and all of a sudden you hear ping, 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 ping. <laughs> I look over and Nicole's just beat red. I was grabbing something, like a pin or something, and my wallet falls out. And then literally it was like one penny. And then I pick up the wallet like slowly and then just bam. Oh. Like yeah. I saw her over there like trying to be real careful. Something else fell off. <laughs> and of course we mocked the cascade her, of know. change. Had a good laugh at her expense. It was pretty <clears throat> awesome. I think we, that was even in the um, comment section of our, our podcast. We even said <laughs> something was. about Nicole and her wallet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the sisterhood slash brotherhood of the traveling books. Yes. Here we are. And Josh read one of my favorites. Actually, he gave me a book first. Can you believe that? Wow. Josh gave me a book to read before I gave him one to read. I don't think I've even ever done that. It was called The Man Who Folded Himself. Oh, that was a good book. And it was super weird. 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 And I love weird. <laughs> weird. Weird is highly underrated. <clears throat> People with weak minds can't handle weird, Josh. I know. Maybe that's why we get along. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how are we going to do this? You want to, um, one of you girls go first and then maybe we'll bring Josh into the mix after that. I can go. Mine's really depressing. Oh, yay, a depressing book right off the bat. Let's get that sucker out of the way. Okay, I would like to revise my statement. It's not that depressing. If you know what the book is about, you you think it's going to be massively like dark and you're going to cry the entire time. But you really don't um, just because of the way it's uh, like the perspective it's told from. Mm -hmm. And the book is called Room by Emma Donahue. Wait a second, Bonnie read that. No, I tried to read it and that's one of the ones that 
the voice in the audio was so not. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Pleasant that's right. that I. Oh. And Emma Donahue it. wrote Frog Music. Yes. And, and Wonder. The Wonder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she is on the list of some of our favorite. Mm-hmm. people because she is such a diverse writer. So tell us about Room. Okay, so this is the first one of, from her that I've read, uh, but I originally saw the movie on Netflix and somehow found out that it was actually a book and decided to read the book before I ever watched the movie. Okay. And I just finished it yesterday. Um, it's actually a pretty quick read. It's like 350 pages or something like that. And I heard uh, Vani's, uh, like her talking about the audiobook and how she didn't mm-hmm. really enjoy it first before I started this, so I was a little bit worried. But I can completely see how that makes sense because it is told from the perspective of a five-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And, a five-year-old boy who... Uh, does he have speech issues? or No. Uh, his name is Jack. And at five, year old, five years old, it's not normal for them to be able to just have a complete sentence. Right. Oh. However, so it was choppy and it was told... In a little kid's voice, and I couldn't get. Yeah, uh, it, it was hard for me to get past that and with the audio part. So the entire story is, um, and it's actually based off of a, true events. It's not about the exact same thing, but um, a woman is kidnapped when she's nineteen, and oh. she is held essentially hostage in a shed in a man's backyard. Oh, this um, is very similar to the uh, J.C. Dugard. Case. Kind of, but I think similar. This is actually based off of something that happened in Australia. Mm-hmm. Anyways, okay. Yeah, so she's uh, kidnapped. Um, she has a, a child. His name is Jack, and the story starts begins when he's five years old. Um, it's his fifth birthday, and he knows his world as a room. His mother, when once he was born, she never explained to him that they were being held hostage, or you know, she raised him like. This is the world. And they have a skylight and she tells him it's outside. Um, And she tells him that outside there's outer space and like there's other stuff. Um, They have a TV. So he gets to see all this stuff. But in his mind, TV is TV and room is real. And they call the shed room. It has a toilet, it has a kitchen. Um, Do they ever go outside? No, they can never leave. Um, Actually, the man, because obviously he has to like he, he comes in and rapes her. Um, not every night, but on, regularly, he has a the it has like a door code, and so they play these games. So Jack is five years old, and he plays these games where him and his mom stand. They make a tower, and they go up as close to the the skylight as they can, and they scream and make as no, much noise as they can. But he thinks it's a game, oh. and so you're hearing it from his perspective. So like, you don't think it's. De- Pressing because you see, his, like he doesn't understand what's because going on. Because he's lived in that his whole life, and he doesn't understand that it's horrible mm-hmm. because he's never experienced anything else. Yes, and at five years old, most kids can't read; they really aren't very well versed or anything. But he, Jack, can come up with pretty good senten- sentences. Um, he has a very good thought process. He's very smart. He he can do math, um, mm-hmm. and she taught him very well from what she could. Like so. He, so then um, they come up with a plan. So now that he's turned five, he's a big boy and he needs to rescue his mom. So they come up with a plan to get them out and they are essentially rescued. But then it's so interesting because they're trying to like cope with the world around them. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
he's seeing all these things he saw on TV, but he he's like, I thought that was only in TV. Like, right. He has no connection to that that actually exists. Yeah. So he's he'll see like Legos and he's like, I thought that was TV. And he's obsessed with like Dora the Explorer. And so somebody gives him a Dora backpack and he hugs it because he thinks it's Dora. Like he thinks it's the real backpack from Dora. Oh, my gosh. And so I like I would recommend this book just because it's completely like I read to get perspectives from like all over. Like I want to know what everybody's life is like, kind of. And Mm -hmm. this is like coming, you know. It's just such a, like, game changer. Like, the way she told the story, because she could have told it from the mother's perspective, and it would and have it been And it would have been a completely dark, different story, it you're right. Been, yeah. But and by so, telling it by the little boy's perspective, everything and I can is see, in a different light. And I can see why the audiobook would have been very difficult to listen to. Yes, yeah. and I want to say, like, reading it wasn't difficult at all, because, like, the, the she used capitalization, like like tv like i don't know the way he's he's talking i don't know, have a good example right now okay but so it's like she uses letters and the way she's using yes. punctuation and stuff well, to yeah highlight. one good example would be like if like josh randomly walked up to me and was talking to me the five-year-old boy would say like he's talking to me but he, like he doesn't call anybody by their names he's calling them he or she but it's more of a noun like oh. like Instead of, like, instead of just, like, referring to somebody as, like, hey, he sh- said this, it's, like, like, who is, like, she? Who is she? But not, like, who, I don't know. There's just, like, it's so <laughs> weird, like, the grammar in it. And so that's what really makes the audiobook, I can see how it would be really difficult to listen to. Well, I know that uh, my niece, when she was little, it, it was kind of hard to explain yesterday and today or tomorrow. And she'll say that um, we went we went skating not on this day. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like the way she explained things. She would use wording like that. She'd say, "Not the next day," or "Not on this day," and not so. There was no yesterday, tomorrow. Th- that concept just didn't stick for a while. Yeah. So I can see how that might be interesting to read that if you're yeah. reading it it would be okay but i think oh, listening to it would drive me crazy you're right Vonnie. yeah i couldn't i wanted to it might be one that i actually have to read because i wanted to read it because it sounded like a good book but yeah i couldn't do the audio so i'll mm. have to wait until i have time to actually sit down and read in the book itself yeah it didn't make me cry or anything because, you know, that's good. That's kind of what I was expecting. I'm kind of glad to be that like it's massively. not dark because that scared me a little because I don't like really dark, sad, depressing books like that. No. I mean, it is like if you are sitting there reading and then you like digest everything, it might be like kind of depressing. But if you're just like reading it, mm-hmm. um, sometimes it helps, though, if the, if the characters within the book are accepting of their situation and don't spend a lot of time dwelling on yeah. how miserable they are. Yeah. Well, and he doesn't know, like, I mean, he doesn't well, know. Well, yeah, that, that's so. why I'm saying it might be okay. You know how I am about, about depressing books. I'm like... Mm-hmm. And he has a harder time in the real world than... Well, yeah, because he's so, lived in that room for five years. Yeah. He doesn't even know other people exist. He's like... He not actually, really. He thinks they're TV. They're on yeah. TV. They're not real people. He oh. freaks out when he gets an apartment because there's five rooms. Whoa. And what if he can't hear his mom in the next room? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I don't know, that but I would be. recommend it. 
I'd give it a five out of five. Well, Emma Donahue, man, you got to say that woman has some serious writing chops. Considering every single book that we have read from her, collectively, we've all loved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's kind of cool. Well, Josh, you're so quiet. Oh, my gosh. It's almost like you're not here. You're not chiming in. I'm listening. (laughs) This is a podcast. You have to speak. Oh, I was enjoying the... Hearing about that story. I might actually have to read that. <laughs> I got it for two ninety nine on Amazon, oh, just nice. letting you know. Okay. <laughs> let's go into let's go into Josh. This is one of my favorite authors, Neil Stevenson. And I love this book. And after Josh lent me The Man Who Folded Himself, I thought, okay, he's gonna like this. I know he's gonna like it. So I lent him my book and you can tell about it. Oh, I loved it from the first the first page. I know, I that it. first page was a killer, wasn't it? <laughs> it was really cool. Um, hero first, protagonist, the First of all, tell the, the, the title. Oh, Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Um, it's kind of a weird take on the future where the government has kind of given up power to different corporate entities. And um, like the mafia, the American mafia, they own the big pizza company. That and it's it's the only pizza company, mm-hmm. and so that's where the uh, hero protagonist. That's where he works. Yeah, he's a driver, and, and it's a very prestigious job. Oh yeah, very <laughs> which cracks me up because they the beginning paragraphs that Josh was referring to, they're explaining it. They're explaining how he almost sounds like a freaking ninja. Right, the carries way, a sword with him. Yeah, a samurai sword. A pizza delivery yes. guy with a so samurai right. sword. Explaining right. all of this about you know what how prestigious he is and everything, and then you find out he's a pizza delivery right. guy. Yeah, and you don't find out till about the second page. So you've read all about how awesome he is and how he doesn't take any shit from anybody. I can, I can say that right. Oh yeah, it's yeah. a okay, podcast. Cool. You can say whatever you want. Cool beans. Um, <laughs> so he's he's never been late, and he and people tried to stiff him one time, but he. Pulled out the sword, <laughs> wasn't stiffed. There you go. Um, and then you find out after you turn the page that he's a pizza delivery driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I cracked up once I read that. I was like, I'm going to love this book. It's awesome. <laughs> it also cracked me up that the main character's name was Hero Protagonist. I know, right? That just made me laugh. <gasps> he's working one night and he gets back to his pizza place to pick up a new order and. He sees um, nobody come to the window, and they're supposed to be prompt, yeah, mm-hmm. on time. Mm-hmm. And no one, no one comes to the window for a minute. And he honks his horn. Somebody opens the window, and smoke's pouring out. But they end up shoving a pizza in his car, anyways. And the wait time is already some like twenty five minutes. And, 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 and it's like death if you don't right. deliver the pizza on time. Because like these 30 people minutes, are serious. Is it 30 I think it's 35 it 30 in the book. 35 uh-huh. minutes and he's already at 20 something and he knows. Yeah. Huh. And, and, and granted, in the book, the pizza delivery drivers, they drive a special car that's very obviously a pizza driver car. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So people get out of the way and they can speed and they won't get pulled over or anything. And he can go through all these neighborhoods and all these neighborhoods are like sovereign states. It's it's like like gated neighborhoods, but they're all independent of each other. Yeah. And so they all have their own police force and basically their own army to protect 
that neighborhood. And so he he has all the rights to just speed through the gates and whatever with no problem. Because everybody loves a pizza delivery guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And he has to go everywhere. Because he brings food. Who wouldn't love that? That's right. And <laughs> if a pizza's late, then Uncle Enzo, who heads this organization, has made a vow to personally come visit the people that the pizza was late to mm-hmm. and give them a bunch of cool stuff and whatnot. Um, but you don't want to do that no. as a pizza driver because he's Uncle Enzo and he'll murder you. <laughs> he'll have you because he, he for being late. runs the American Mafia. Uh-huh. So he'll murder you like legit mm-hmm. if you mess up and you make him skip out on what he's doing to come take care of some rotten family because their pizza was two minutes late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's speeding through this neighborhood and he maps it all out in his head that he's going to cut through across one yard, miss a bench, skip by the pool and get on another road just so he can cut through. And get to a neighborhood on the other side. Right. He knows exactly where the backyards are that are going to line up. And he's got it all figured out. It just cracks me up how he could be so precise. And along the way, uh, a courier, which um, couriers are, they're riding skateboards most of the time. And Mm -hmm. they have. But they're like motorized skateboards. Right. Like like hoverboards. Right. Hmm. But they have wheels still. So they can still mess up and whatnot. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Along the way, a courier attaches themselves to his car with a big magnet grappling hook, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so she's slowing him down. And he's trying to throw her off and winds up getting lost because it's dark and he's in a hurry and all sorts of nonsense. Uh, cuts through across the yard, wrong yard, face plants into a pool. Oh, no. <laughs> so... He's fucked. Essentially. Basically. Uh, Seriously, because essentially. he's late and the pizza is in there. He's going to uh, lose his sword. <laughs> he's going to lose everything. Um, the courier, still attached, she comes up, knocks on his window, takes the pizza, delivers it for him, gets there on time. Mm-hmm. Um, which later, Uncle Enzo finds out that it was her that delivered it, meets up with her, and, you know, kind of. Says here, he gives her his dog tags and says, if you're ever in trouble, just show these, you'll be fine. Yeah, but the creepy mm-hmm. thing about that is she's only like 15. Oh, yeah, she's super young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she's 15 years old. She's like a she's like a major rebellious. She puts on her schoolgirl uniform and goes out the front door. And then after she's out of sight of her mother, then she changes into her courier outfit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then goes off and she's a courier. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, her name is YT. Uh, which means yours truly mm-hmm. uh, in the book. Um, let's see. So it kind of shifts back and forth between her, um, between YT and Hero. And um, there's a metaverse, which is basically like virtual reality, but you can fully immerse yourself into it. Mm-hmm. And that's where Hero, that's where he really. Holds his own because he's not just a pizza delivery driver. He is one of the first people to actually get in and start messing with it. He's a hacker mm-hmm. as well. Uh, he likes to freelance hack for another in- source of income. Mm-hmm. So he helped build this hacker bar called the Black Pyramid or the Black Sun. That's what it is. Black Sun. The Black yeah. Sun. And it was him and a couple other dudes, and he helped program some things in it. 
that will dispose of dead people corpses. That are, yeah, quote, people that are messing quote, unquote, around with them. Dead and, corpses. I mean, you can. it's sort of like a video game in that, you know, if somebody messes with you while you're in there, you could, you know, have a fight. Mm-hmm. You can kill them. Right. Essentially. In the metaverse. Not physically, but you can kill their character and then they'll have to wait until that character's gone to start again. But he disposes of them in a way that they can't come back right away. Uh-huh. It's, cool. it's neat little, almost like minions that kind of, th- there's tunnels running under the black sun and then they kind of just go through there and they can open the floor and drag them down. Mm-hmm. And uh, see, he's in there and he sees his buddy, what was his name? David, with a five instead of a V. As Hero's walking in to this bar, he looks out the door, and it's a private bar. You have to be a hacker to get in, and you have to be invited to get in. Mm-hmm. So not just any Joe can go in. He sees another fellow, black and white, huge dude, mm-hmm. um, who's offering him something called Snow Crash. He calls it a drug. He says, here, man, try some Snow Crash. And um, Hero's like, no, I'm cool. You're a creep. And I'm not just going to take some random hypercard from <laughs> you. Right, so, from so you. it'd be like a drug dealer walking up to you outside a bar, basically, is what it felt like when I was right. reading it. Yeah. And he's just like, hey, here, here are some drugs. Uh, why yeah. don't you take them, <laughs> since I have such a good reputation with you? Uh, he says no. David was not so smart. He took the snow crash. The snow crash was, it's a hypercard, and in the metaverse, when you take a hypercard, you're exchanging information from that person's computer to yours. And so if there's a virus or something in the hypercard, then your computer is exposed to it. Mm-hmm. You know, so despite... it's sort of like downloading a file, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Hero sits down with David. They're talking. And Hero's like, did you see this creep outside? And David's like, yeah, I got some snow crash. I'm going to try it. <laughs> and so he opens it up. And this little, maybe four inch, five inch little figure comes up and has a scroll that she unfolds. And it's like when your TV loses, um, your old, I guess not anymore since we're digital, but back on analog TVs when you lost signal and it was all just snowy yeah. and staticky mm-hmm. all over the TV. Yeah. That's what it shows. But in reality, it's like a bunch of um, binary code Yeah, inside of it. And it's going right into his eyes, into David's eyes. Mm-hmm. And... This is where the story really gets interesting, because this is where all the sorts of stuff comes in. and, <laughs> and it re, um, So it's actually what it is, is it's a virus that affects not only his computer, but his mind, because it's built specifically to attack a hacker. Right. And anybody that hasn't been a hacker, wouldn't it wouldn't affect them. Mm-hmm. Because they've, they've got the binary language down into the core parts of their brain, down mm-hmm. in the language center. Yeah. And that's where this guy's figured out that he could put a virus in that and then attack hackers. Although it wasn't technically him. Right. Um, I mean, we can't give away too much. That's true. That's so, true. So let's let's stop there with that part of it. Tell us why you kept reading. Oh, very well written. First of all, <laughs> it was really, really easy to read. Mm-hmm. My God. I mean, I'd, I found myself one day, and I haven't felt this way since I read uh, The Anubis Gates by Tim Powers. Which I haven't um, read, but I I'll bring it I to might. you. I actually have it in my car. I'll go grab it here in a second. Yes. 
Um, <laughs> but I couldn't put it down. And there was a couple of times uh, when I was on remote, just doing remote broadcast out and about, where I looked up, my talent was gone because the remote was done. <laughs> and and I've been reading? sitting there for an extra 15 minutes just reading. Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff I do. It sounds like I did that for too. you to come up with a story where there's hackers and then like them making a completely separate world in which like they can go into and then like having a virus be able to attack them not only on like yeah, on a it, computer and in your mind like coming up with something like that you have to be a very creative and I know. probably and this a very guy good must writer. be so incredibly yes. smart. I think it was cool though the way he because it basically creates whoever takes that and is a hacker. They they're basically a vegetable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can't function at all. It's like it completely wipes their mind. Mm-hmm. And I think did David die, or was he just I don't think vegetableized? He died. I think it was just vegetableized. I don't think he died. But I think really, right. the plot revolves around the drug, right? And the drug is kind of based off. Uh, I'm going to give away a little bit. A little bit, not too um, much. The idea behind Snow Crash, the drug, quote unquote drug, because it doesn't mm-hmm. get you high or anything, right? Um, was it, it's taken from an idea from way, way, way back when people first started learning to talk, mm-hmm. and um, it was around the time of the Tower of Babel. This is in Sumer, obviously, and that was when language first came about. And everybody spoke the same language, and so they could all understand each other. So they were building this tower, and then God came down, saw what they were doing. He was unpleased with it, and he kind of snapped, and everybody spoke a different language. And so nobody mm-hmm. could understand each other. So they wove- kind of messed everything up. Yeah, so they wove the mythology. He, I should say, he. Neil, wove the mythology from that time into, into the, the story- and into the plot. It was incredible. Yeah. It's a feat. It takes yeah. in like like 8,000 years I'm telling of you, stuff. Yes. And puts it all in a dystopian future. And it was, ah, uh, I got to say, that was a five for me. What about oh, you? Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. So I have a 13-year-old nephew who's been teaching himself how to write code, and I feel like he would be in love with this. Oh, absolutely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. <laughs> It, it's a little bit on the risque side for a 13-year-old, so uh, you might not I mean, want to tell your I was reading sibling. some stuff at 13 that I probably shouldn't have been. Well, you'll be the cool aunt if you give yeah. it there you go. It's a good thing you're an aunt, because a parent shouldn't get it for their kid, but an aunt or an uncle? Perfect. Then that's okay. <laughs> like when I bought my 14-year-old nephew American Pie. Oh. <laughs> that was a very bad move on my part. And then when I had a 13-year-old boy, I thought, oh my God, what a bitch I was. <laughs> I can't believe I bought that I can't believe I did that. Yeah. Incredible. Oh, phenomenal. Neil Stevenson, Snow Crash. Okay, is this in one of your like top five books oh, of all time? Okay. See, I, I have to say that after I read Neil Stevenson, it changed the way I read science fiction. Yeah. Because, that's primarily what I read. Well, So I was a little used to it. But it changed the way that I approach any book. I'm looking... It's... It's almost depressing because his complexity is so amazing and his plots are so intricate that when you go back to reading one of the authors that you previously liked, 
you they realize how thin they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yeah. It, I've actually had kind of a tough time reading other books after that, and that's why <laughs> you, you're craving that complexity. Sort of like listening to a really complex piece of music, mm-hmm. and then you hear a kid playing a you know thing, thing, thing on the piano. That's what it felt like the right. first book I read after I read a Neil Stevenson book. Mm-hmm. See, and I tried I read to read. Several. It's funny. I, I mentioned this the other day after <laughs> after the fact that I'd read it. I was reading uh, Virtual Light by William Gibson. And it's along the same lines as in having to do with the virtual reality and also dealing with the reality and a bunch of crazy nonsense happening. But on the back page was... It was a thing for Snow Crash, mm-hmm. which made me laugh really hard. I didn't even notice until after I read the book. Oh, there's an, Josh, there are very few things in life that really give me joy. But knowing that I gave you that book gives me the most <laughs> immense joy. It's like I shared something with someone who would really appreciate it. I appreciate it. I really do. <laughs> I've got another one for you. Good, because that one you gave me... Uh, by Tom Holt. What was it? That was weird. I liked it. It was weird. I liked it. it a that lot. one had Norse mythology oh, woven into it. I, I got it, it because it looked hilarious because it had a Viking woman on the cover with a vacuum cleaner. Uh, it was a Valkyrie, <laughs> uh, Valkyrie with a vacuum excuse cleaner. Me, yes. <laughs> you know how I love my puns and my silliness. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. You do like. But the yes, silly. we'll. I'll definitely do some more exchanging with you. Good. Good, because you read good books. Thank you. <laughs> what did you read That's this like week? That's the ultimate compliment for Martha. It really is. Yeah. What did I read this week? Yeah. Well, it's going to be like a that's like slamming slamming the car into reverse while it's going 70 miles per hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, it can't be any worse than mine. Because <laughs> I'm actually, well, okay, I read one hard copy book and three audio books in the same series. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you about the hardcover book because it was totally out of character for me completely. And the reason that I read it is because, you know, I love the list. (laughs) Yep. I saw this book on the list and I thought, oh, this is really cool. It's a book about a a woman scientist. Mm -hmm. Because I kind of consider myself a scientist in some ways. Because, you know, I'm a real big rock geek. I love rocks. I collect rocks. I spend all summer going out into the field and looking at rocks. And this particular book, it has on the cover, it has like a piece of dirt, like a pile of dirt, and then this little sprig of tree. I know what book you're talking about. And it's called Lab Girl. <laughs> and at first I thought, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Because, I, you know, I don't dig nonfiction. I really don't. Mm-hmm. But this book was like reading about me in an alternate universe. Mm-hmm. You know, like what would have happened had I actually become a scientist? Mm-hmm. Um, it, w- it was interesting the way it was written because she would write a little bit about herself and her life and then the next chapter would be little, it was like little passion pieces in the middle where she would talk about, you know, how cool trees are or... The diversity of life or this and that. Things mm-hmm. that she found really cool. And this was nonfiction? Yeah. Oh, who wrote it? Um, Hope Jaren is her name. Mm. I think I'm saying that right. J-A-R-E-N? J-A-H-R-E-N. No, is she the scientist? Yeah. 
cool. So it sort of tells the story of how she began and how difficult it was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, because A, she was a woman. Mm-hmm. B, when you're a scientist, you have to get funding for everything. Mm-hmm. So it was the story of, you know, going through trying to get funding for everything and she meets this guy who is equally as passionate as she is but they're not a couple and I loved that I loved that (laughs) she went through this book with her soulmate that was not her partner and she ends up getting married and everything else later on in the book somebody else yeah nice but this guy I mean they work together the whole her whole career she takes him with her. It's her lab. It's her, you know, she's his boss, basically. And every time she moves, he goes with. Mm. And, it's, I mean, it goes into the point where she can't really afford to pay him very much, and he ends up living in the lab. Dang. And he doesn't really have any relationships or anything because he's just so focused on, on the work. They're soil scientists. And it doesn't sound very sexy when you say it, <laughs> but it, it depends was depends on how you say it. They were soil, soil scientists. scientists. Very dirty, <laughs> dirty work. <laughs> I enjoyed it so much that I read it in like two days because it just felt she was genuinely so likable, and their relationship was so compelling. Mm-hmm. Plus, these little passion pieces in the middle of different little scientific tidbits that she found fascinating Mm -hmm. and about, you know, collecting trips they'd taken and and things of that nature. Really, really good. (laughs) And I can see why it made the list as one of the top nonfiction books of 2016. Yeah. It's called Lab Girl by Hope. Just a minute, I gotta look that up. It's uh, Jareen... J a h r e n. Yeah, so it's probably Jareen. Jareen, maybe. Jaren, Jareen. She's a, um, I think originally from, I want to say Minnesota, but I'm not sure if that's right because they're they have the Nordic. She talks about their stoic nature being Nords, you know, their mm-hmm. family relationships being very, not cold, but just not very touchy feely. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I can kind of relate to that. My family's a bit like that. <laughs> <laughs> and are my you, husband's a bit like that too. Are, so. are you guys Norwegian? Well, do you have Norwegian blood? I think so. Yeah, Germanic blood. So anyway, that was I read that one, and then you'll recall the mystery series that I was reading before. Actually, I think the first time that we talked about it was during October. It was the first part of October when we had um, human monsters. Um, yes, remember that. Okay, that mm-hmm. was Birdman, mm-hmm. where the where the serial killer sews birds in yes. live birds into the heart. Yeah, it was really gross. Um, there's a whole series with the same detective, and they get progressively better. I mean, that one was a little creep. Okay, it was really creepy. Are they all that creepy? <laughs> no, no. Are they all that gross? No, they're all pretty gross though. <laughs> okay. But the reason that I like them so much is because you get to learn more about the character. And he's very flawed, very flawed character. Mm -hmm. And there's another character that comes, I think, in the second or third book. And she's also very flawed. And they're kind of like 
barely almost and barely almost and barely almost and they never quite get together yet and this is like the fourth book and I'm like oh come on and kiss her already <laughs> but of course it's murder too so it's okay if it's a romance a little bit <laughs> so that's what I was reading I came to pick Bonnie up for the podcast tonight and I was texting her um, I'm a little early, but I'm just going to sit here in the car because <laughs> I was listening to it. It was at a really tense part where they're looking for this girl who's been kidnapped by this pedophile. And yeah, it's pretty awful. Hmm. But yeah. Um, and that is uh, Mo Hader, in case mm-hmm. anyone's interested in reading some really freaking awesome mystery novels. Well, it sounds some good. creepy mystery slash detective novels is really more an accurate way to put it, and it takes place in Bristol in England. So now that I've hogged the airwaves, Vani, oh, that's okay. <laughs> I and decided to read a classic because Harper Lee had a book come out, which was a sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird called Ghost at a Watchman. And To Kill a Mockingbird was a book that actually ended up reading twice in high school because I read it at one school and then moved to another school and they read it when I got to the other school. So I ended up reading it <laughs> twice, easy. which was okay what happens because, when you move around. <laughs> right. <laughs> but because I, you know, I liked it. And so I wanted to read the sequel. So I read To Kill a Mockingbird first because, you know, it's been a while since I've read it because I was like 15 when I read it. <laughs> So you want to revisit it? Right, exactly. Well, you know how I am. If I'm going to read a sequel to something, I usually read the first book for and a second time. I will have to say I liked To Kill a Mockingbird better than Ghost at a Watchman. Ghost at a Watchman is set in 1950, in the 1950s. And Scout, who's the little girl in To Kill a Mockingbird, comes back to the small town that she grew up in in Alabama from New York City. She's moved up to New York City. She lives in New York City and works and everything. And oh, the first one was in the forties, right? So it was set in the forties. I think it was in the thirties. She was she was only like eight in that one, and she's in her twenties in this one. Okay. And of course, this is after World War II, so um, the civil rights movement, where where um, Af- African American and black people black people are getting more of their rights and mm-hmm. the right to vote and and all of that's going on. And of course, Alabama was one of the worst mm-hmm. prejudiced states that they grew up in. Scout finds out that her dad is more prejudiced than what she thought. Hmm. Which, Which explains why the sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird did not get released until a year before Harper Lee died. Now, when did she write right. it? She wrote it right after. Right Still after. Yes. Yeah, huh. she kept it the whole wow. time. Supposedly it was lost. Yeah, it wasn't lost. And then there was, uh, they were arguing about whether or not she really did write this or not, you know. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. That's kind huh. of mysterious, sounds- but it makes sense if she really did write it at that time. Based on Vonnie's, what, what she said about it, I'm mm-hmm. kind of thinking... Maybe she did write it at that time. And they took a look at it and went, oh, mm-hmm. no. Well, you Hell can't no. release. Well, you, especially because when did to, to Kill a Mockingbird come out? Um, it was set in 1933. Uh, well, I know, but, but when was it actually it released? Came out in 1960. 
It was yeah. published in 1960. And see, there was still a lot of civil rights movements mm-hmm. going on in the 60s. So I could understand if she wrote this book, why they didn't release it right. at the time. Because it has a lot of controversy about if blacks should have the same rights as whites. Hmm. And not in a positive way from what you said. No. And Is she from Alabama? Who's, uh, Harper Lee? Harper Lee. Lee? Uh, I don't know. Because that would kind of make sense. Yeah, Monroe, Alabama. She sure is. But um, it's, I can understand what she was trying to do with this book, but it just didn't quite, I didn't get the effect that I think that she wanted it to have. She was trying to tell it so that you look at somebody else's eyes who lived during, you know, integration and everything else and how they could have that thought process in their head of why, you know, black people should stay separate. So the justification for their behavior, basically, is what she was... In which Scout, you know, she grew up, her her dad raised her to be, you know, not to be prejudiced. She Mm -hmm. sat in the, the black section of the court when her dad was... On trial, because he was a lawyer, Atticus. Mm-hmm. Atticus Finch. Atticus Finch. He was a lawyer. And she always thought that he was this great man that she really looked up to. And it just really bursted her bubble when mm-hmm. she found out that of what he really thought. It was, I guess it was a really coming of age story. And it makes mm-hmm. perfect sense that that's why they didn't release it. Because right. To Kill a Mockingbird was such... A game changer. It was. It was a great. I mean, book. that's why they're still teaching it in school. Mm-hmm. So, and Atticus Finch is such a beacon of you know morality exactly. and openness, right. exactly, and acceptance. That I wonder if they would even still be teaching it had this book come out right after. They probably they wouldn't, wouldn't because it's wouldn't. the same character mm-hmm. and his behavior and his thoughts and actions in the second book. According, I haven't read it. But just based on what you said, Vaughn. Right. Now, he's not a horrible person. No. Sure. And I don't think that he's, sure. he's still very moral. He doesn't want any harm to come to anyone, no matter what the color. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't think that they're ready to be integrated into being full-fledged citizens. Mm. And he actually says something similar to that in the book. <laughs> and it was just... When I was, I listened to it because I do audiobooks more than I read. And um, when I listened to it, I was like, I just, no, you can't. <laughs> Atticus, please. It's like, oh my God, my bubble's bursting right now. <laughs> I'm sad. I'm going to have to go home and cry over this book because it was just, I don't, because when Scout finds this, finds this out, she's ready just to pack up. Go back to New York, never see your family mm-hmm. again. And, you know, he tries to sit down in Atticus style and explain to her, you have to understand where I'm coming from. This is how we grew up, this and this and this, and this is why I think the way that I do. But I don't know. It, it's still a very well-written book, I feel and like I still liked it. But There's a lot of truth in that today because there's still yes. people who grew up like... Uh, like people in their 60s, 70s, they grew up when 
all the civil rights movements were going on and their parents uh, were may have been racist. And so well, even and though they weren't necessarily raised to be the same way, they grew up with that information. And know, so it's st- I think feel like this book it was probably released at the perfect time. And actually, well, now, yes, yeah, it I is the perfect it time. Because it's very true. Like, people do find out that their parents, even if they don't fully show it, are still prejudiced. Well, mm-hmm. you know what was really an eye-opener to me? I, I grew up in Wyoming. And as white bread as that place was, it was very, very open. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a minority popul- population at all, but I was raised to be colorblind. Mm-hmm. When I moved to the South, as a grown woman, I was horrified Mm -hmm. at people's attitudes. And here I had a young son. He was three years old. And, you know, you'd get together with the neighbors and stuff, and everybody would be having a few cocktails. And stuff would start to come out of adults' mouths. And I would just be standing there like, I can't believe you just said that in front of my son. What kind of a monster are you? Mm Mm-hmm. And it it still happens. It still happens with neighbors. And, you know, after I read this book, it it kind of reminded me why they have the Black Lives Matter and everything still. Because I I grew up in New York. I didn't grow up in... I grew up in a pretty white bread neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I'm a small town. But there wasn't any prejudice. The one black person that we had in our high school... Was the most popular person in the yeah, whole school. Yes, he was a bit like that up north, too. Everyone wanted to be his friend. So, you know. It was like so, being a local celebrity. Right. <laughs> so there wasn't really any prejudice. So I grew up colorblind. And because I didn't see it and I didn't grow up with it, it was hard for me to understand why all the fuss. Mm-hmm. Why would people behave in, in such a way? It, didn't, it, it doesn't, still doesn't make sense to me. No. And I grew up around here, and it doesn't make sense to me. We'll see. I there mean, you I go. grew up around here. My my grandpa, who still is probably my favorite person, and one of the most moral people I know, he still will say some things. But I'm like, Papa, you can't you can't say yes, that anymore. It's, it's not only it's, you it's can't not okay. Say it, it's it's just it's it's almost like okay. Do you even comprehend what being a human being is? I, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm flummoxed. I think they mm-hmm. do, but. It, when you are literally taught that from day one, yeah, and you grew up your entire life, just because somebody says that bee's not going to sting you doesn't mean it's like... Now, that's a good way to put it, Nicole. That was a really great way to put it. Yeah. Because I guess if your experience doesn't include anything negative, you're not afraid of being stung. Mm-hmm. 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 But if you're in a situation where that's happened to you before, then you might behave differently. Right. Yeah. And I will say there was part of when he's trying to explain, he's talking about another town that's close to where they grew up. I can't remember the name of the town, but, um, and this is when they're talking about giving black people the right to vote and, and everything else. And what he said is this town is 75% black. So as soon as they give the black people the right to vote, what some of the citizens, the white citizens are afraid of is they're going to vote in um, a gentleman of color who's not going to be smart enough to, you know, like know what to do with the town's money. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and, and stuff like that. And, so and that comes from ignorance. Afraid. Prejudice yeah. comes from ignorance because yes. you're, you fear what you don't understand. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm thinking in my mind, well, educate. Educate them, mm-hmm. and then you won't have that problem. But that's not how they see it. That's, yeah. right. They don't think that way. I would also like to say I was not justifying old people. No, 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 no. no, no. no I wasn't. <laughs> well, I know. I was yeah. just making that. No, but, I'm not either. But but you can kind like, of see where where the attitude might come from. I personally can't. I a human being is a human being. It's like a somebody, woman, a man. Color of your skin yeah. makes no difference to me. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody like growing up thinking the world is flat, and then suddenly somebody tells you it's round. Mm-hmm. And then you have to readjust your maps. Right. Imagine that. But for some people, it's not that easy. People don't like change. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And you're talking about such a huge change for everybody. I, I think that uh, a lot of European countries are also uh, puzzled by the way Americans behave in those situations because they haven't had it happen in those same ways it's right. a little different over exactly. there though it is. But I, I think um, everybody had you know like their own they all had issues misappropriations mm-hmm. like well i don't, I don't know, know. From, what I, from most of the europeans i've met it seems like everybody in the countries of europe kind of dislikes everybody in the other countries of europe well yeah mm. that's pretty true but, but the so, black and white thing like you saw integrated marriages so much earlier mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in Europe than you did here. Well, they didn't, but they didn't have slavery like we did. Uh, they, they, well, they, they did. did, but they got rid of it a long time before we did. Uh, they didn't really get rid of it. They started like because of their like hierarchy. They had, they were paying their, they were still paying their slaves. Uh, so they of. weren't really uh, slaves. They were, they were I mean, them. they were still like you can. I don't know. There's just know that very much about different. Europe. I really shouldn't speak about ours. Yeah, I don't know. But about they it still had their own, and then they also like because Native Americans, some of them were taken over there, like from America to Europe, and while they were treated like royalty at first, eventually they were put into slavery and mistreated, and they just had like different forms, like uh, you know how like eventually we used Chinese people to build. Like railroads. Bridge, railroads. Mm-hmm. railroads and bridges in mm-hmm. like the West. They did like, so it's just different ways. Right. Throughout different like, ways. People are assholes to one another. Yes. It just never yeah, ends. Basically. Does it? Hopefully one day we will not have this. Utopia anymore. will exist. <laughs> Let's hope so. Sometime in the future. At least in my head. If people will just stop being assholes. <laughs> Eventually all the haters have to die, right? Well, we hope so. Well, we're the ones that change. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're the, we the ones who make the change. Don't allow... We can't allow children to grow up and behave that way. Yeah, I think just teaching your children, if we could all just teach our children and our grandchildren. Tolerance and love. Acceptance. And yeah. acceptance. And right. stop war. Oh, yeah. Let's stop war, too. Yeah. Because you kill... You, you well, if you go have to tolerance and acceptance, then really war's going to die out by itself. No, because the problem no, with no. war is... War is greed. <laughs> the problem with that's, war that's is... That's where it stems is, from. Anytime you go to war and some somebody gets killed, then there's somebody there to avenge them. Mm-hmm. And that goes on and on, freaking on, 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 on. and on and Well, and some people ends. do it to get your economy going. Yeah, oh. that's true. Oh, there's like there's a, a lot good way of, to get your economy going. You know, we can't talk politics today, Nicole. Anyways, not today. (laughs) I would also like to say we should teach our children that three-day weekends are a must. I like that idea. Yes. Yes. And how about the uh, (laughs) 20-hour work week? 
Ooh. The what? 20 hour? 20 hour work week? No, I'm okay well, with only 40. Uh, we get paid I don't know if for get, 40. I, I get kind of bored with only a 20 hour work yeah. week. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking three day weekend, 40 hours still working. Just yeah. in four, within four days. Because I work like an eighty-hour work week, and I don't know what I'd do with the other sixty. <laughs> read, dude. Hey, I read. Think I read. The the, I read, read all eighty hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I could find something to do with the time. Yeah, <laughs> we'd all be really fat then, wouldn't we? <laughs> I'd be eating more. No, but seriously, it's all great to talk about it, and we can hope for it, and we can hope to educate for it. Mm-hmm. But I think that if more people read books, then they'd be more understanding. Don't you think? I think so. Well, because then you learn to... I actually read an article about this. Is that people who read fiction, especially, are more... They're more empathetic. Right. Because when you read and read about something through somebody else's eyes, it helps you understand other people better mm-hmm. right you understand how they feel because you're reading their thoughts basically mm-hmm. right why they do the things they right do. Mm-hmm. and you learn to use your imagination when mm-hmm. you read books like snow crash mm-hmm. and you just never look at a computer terminal the same way again <laughs> do you? or a pizza delivery guy <laughs> like man uncle enzo's gonna kick your ass I actually have more of a pizza since i read that book <laughs> <laughs> all right i guess we're we're re- gonna wrap this thing up uh, what are we doing next week? I have no idea. I mean, I started a book, but I don't know if I'm going to... Nicole's back in school, week. so it's hit and miss, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. You have, you have a pretty good backlog, though. You could always fall upon something that you read. That's true. And as for me, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this Jack Caffrey rut I'm in right now. That's the detective's to, name. If I can get hey. out of my, oh my historical fiction, if I can put down Ken Follett, you can put I think put I'm down... in love with Jack Caffrey. Jack, did you Jack Caffrey? Just power through it. What That's about the that? only way to finish I gotta. it. That's how I finished the series. And you know what the really series. sad part is? I've already read the series. <laughs> well, you're going to have to get off of it anyways because you said that you wanted to borrow solar. Oh, yeah. And I got, yeah. and you got Josh the Josh Gates, too. What about the Blum? trilogy that you Oh have. yeah, well, you know, I always have to have five or six backups in case I'm not in the mood <laughs> for the one I'm currently reading. I am very, very prolific. Yes, she has to have a book on each burner. <laughs> so that if I, I can understand that. So if I'm reading something that's a little too depressing and I'm feeling blue, I can't read it. I, I have I to have read like, something silly. I have like mm-hmm. six books that I'm halfway through right now that I'm currently reading all of them. Now you're perfect for this show, Josh. You have to come back again. My job is I have so much time on my hands. Like once I get set up, all I have to do is read. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, there could be worse things in life. No doubt. Than having plenty. What a of time great to job read. we have, right? <laughs> because when you're when you're an announcer, you talk in you know thirty second or sixty second clumps, and then you just wait around the rest of the time. So it's a similar thing. So you can read? Well, I don't usually read while I'm at work, but... I do. I don't really have any responsibilities after he I doesn't, get set up. He just goes and sets up the equipment and uh, makes everything pretty. Mm-hmm. And then makes sure we stay on air. Yeah, and that that's too. That's the easy part. But Josh is the best at his job. He is the best at it. You are Thank the you. best at your job, Josh. You. Also, I'm not just being nice. You really are. <laughs> I'm just saying that. I'm not being Ask nice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need a tissue for the brown on your nose? Hey! <laughs> hey, I keep it clean. There's no brown. 
Well, that's good to know. <laughs> Thank you, Josh, for sitting in this estrogen-filled room. Thank you for having me. We will see you next time on Three, Three Book, Book Girls. Girls. <laughs> I know, Courtney. <laughs>